This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that as we read the word, we're reading about you, and we love you, and we're so glad that you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 1. Listen, O isles, unto me, and hearken, ye people from far. The Lord hath called me from the womb. From the bowels of my mother hath he made mention of my name. And he hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand hath he hid me and made me a polished shaft, in his quiver hath he hid me, and said unto me, Thou art my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. And I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for naught and in vain. Yet surely my judgment is with the Lord and my work with my God. And now saith the Lord that for me, from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob again to him. Though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. And he said, It's a light thing that thou shouldst be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles, that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. Thus saith the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, and his Holy One to him whom man despiseth, to him whom the nation abhorreth, to a servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise. Princes also shall worship because of the Lord that is faithful and the Holy One of Israel, and he shall choose thee. Thus saith the Lord, in an acceptable time have I heard thee, and in a day of salvation have I helped thee, and I will preserve thee and give thee for a covenant of the people to establish the earth to cause to inherit the dust heritages. That thou mayest say to the prisoners, go forth. And to them that are in darkness, show yourselves. They shall feed in the ways their pastors shall in, in all their and their pastors shall be in all high places. They shall not hunger nor thirst, neither shall the heat nor the sun smite them. For he, have, he shall have mercy 
on them and lead them even by the springs of waters. Jumping down now, verse 11, I will make all my mountain away. Jump to verse 13. Sing, O heavens, be joyful, O earth. Break forth into singing, O mountains, for the Lord hath comforted his people, will have mercy upon them. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. My God has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her sucking child, that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, but I will not forget thee. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. Jump to verse 20. Verse 20. The children which thou shalt have, after thou hast lost the others, shall say again in thine altars, The place is too straight for me. Give place to me that I may dwell. Then shalt thou say in thine heart, Who hath begotten me these? Seeing I have lost my children and am desolate, a captive, removing to and fro. Who hath brought up these? Behold, I was left alone. These, where have they been? Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will lift up mine hand to the Gentiles, set up my standard of the people. They shall bring thy sons in their arms, and their daughters shall be carried upon their shoulders. This passage is so remarkable. I don't know of any chapter in the Bible where you get a look at these particular emotions, these particular feelings of the Lord Jesus Christ, this chapter. From this chapter, we can see a side of the Lord Jesus Christ which is never given to us in such depth before. And it all starts with a call. It's a call. The Lord Jesus is calling out. He wants, he's not, doesn't want it to be a secret. He says, listen, O isles, unto me. Hearken ye people from far. This is a call to the Gentiles. He wants something to be known to the Gentiles. He's going to reveal this. And so the Lord Jesus is now telling the Gentiles his history, the history of his life work, the history of his ministry here on earth. It's like a short autobiography. It's his autobiography. He's got the ups, he's got the downs. He's going to reveal some secrets that were not known. He starts from before, before his birth. He starts when he was in the womb of his mother, as he says. And he says that inside the, my mother's womb, inside my mother's belly, God called me. In verse 1, the Lord hath called me from the womb. That's very unusual that a person is aware that he's being given a call from the womb, that he's been given a mission, that he's been given a life purpose in his mother's womb. But Jesus was, the Lord Jesus was. You might ask, what was the calling that he received while he was in his mother's womb? Well, he tells us in verse 1, from the bowels of my mother hath he made mention of my name. His calling was his name. His life work was his name. His purpose for living was all in his name. And it was spoken to him when he was still was spoken about him. His name was given while he was still in his mother's womb. That was the circumstance around God mentioning his mother's name was at a time when Joseph was troubled about Mary being pregnant. And while he thought about putting her away privately, God spoke to Moses and told Joseph the name of her baby. It says in Matthew 1.21, Matthew 1.21, she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. The name given to him while he was in Mary's womb was Jesus, and that name was his calling. He was Jesus, which means God saves, and it was further explained he's called Jesus 
because his life mission, his goal, his purpose, all he's going to live for is to save his people from their sins. And who are his people? He came unto his own, his own received him not. They are the Jewish people, his Jewish people. So his calling, which is in his name, is that he's going to save his Jewish people from their sins. That was his calling. And every day of his life, he got up. He said, my calling is to save my Jewish people from their sins. This is his message to the Gentile world. This is what he's telling across the globe. This is what he's asking all the aisles and the people from far to hear, that he was, his name was Jesus. His life purpose was to save his people, his, Jew, his own Jewish people from their sins. Now, God not only called the Lord Jesus to save the Jewish people, but he also equipped him to do that. In verse 2, he says, he made, you know, for this purpose, he made my mouth like a sharp sword. He was given a mouth like a sharp sword. A sharp sword, that reminds us of Hebrews 4.12. Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts, the intents of the heart. And this is what happened when he spoke. When he spoke, Jewish people had their secret thoughts and their intentions of the heart brought to the fore, exposed, divided, shown. This is good. This is bad. You have heard of old time. You think that's good? No, it's bad. This was what God gave him, a mouth like a sharp sword. He was equipped. He was equipped in this way to save his Jewish people when he went to the Mount, Sermon on the Mount and he spoke. It was to break down their false hopes and to cause them to see, oh, I've been wrong. That's the mouth that was a sharp sword. Not only did he have a mouth like a sharp sword, but God also provided for him a place of retreat, a place where he could be repaired, a place where he could, he could find rest. He said in verse 2, in the shadow of his hand hath he hid me, made me a polished shaft in his quiver. He had the shadow of God's hand. The same shadow of God that Moses wrote of in his psalm, Moses wrote Psalm 91. Psalm 91.1, Moses said, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. He had that shadow for him to run into, repair. When the Lord Jesus was drained, as happened so often, He was weary. He needed rest. He needed protection. We read of him going alone, even in the middle of the night, to be in the presence of God the Father in a secret place of prayer and meditation. And in that place, he could hide from all the world around him, his secret place where he was, where he was repaired and prepared to save the Jewish people from their sins. He had a hiding place. And there was another way in which he was prepared to fulfill his high calling of saving the Jewish people. And it says in verse 2, he hath made me a polished shaft. A polished shaft, and his quiver hath he hid me. A shaft is like a metal, like for example, a metal spear, anything that's metal, like a rod. And the problem with metal is that it rusts. That's the problem with metal. And the only way to get that rust off and to make it nice again is to rub it with, an, with some abrasive material, like sand, on a cloth, rubbing it there. They can make sandpaper or whatever. 
And as that sand is rubbed over the rusty spear, the rust comes off, the spear becomes beautiful, it becomes shiny, and it's called in verse 2 a polished spear, a shaft, a polished shaft. And the Lord Jesus said that he was like that polished shaft. He had made me a polished shaft. In other words, he was rubbed with abrasive sand. And it was the abrasive troubles that he had in his life that made him to be the polished shaft. Those abrasive troubles prepared him to fulfill his calling to save the Jewish people from their sins. It's the same way that God polishes us. The same way with what? with abrasive troubles, and we think, what's going on here? Why am I having all these troubles in my life? And God says, your metal's rusty. Your metal's rusty with sin. You've been, your metal's rusty with neglect, with laziness. I need to rub it with these abrasive troubles so you can become a polished shaft. And so God takes one grain of an abrasive sand, like a certain abrasive person, or a certain abrasive problem, or a certain abrasive health condition. And God takes that abrasive person or problem and and like a grain of sand, rubs it on us, rubs it on us till the rust disappears. And we cry out, hey, what are you doing, God? This abrasive rubbing is hurting. And God says, I know, and I'm sorry, but your life is rusty and we need to do this. So he says that in verse two, he hath made me a polished shaft. When we experience these abrasive troubles, these temptations, we think it's strange, strange, what's going on? And James says in James 1-2, James 1-2, about the abrasive sands, abrasive rubbing. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that she may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. We're told to be joyful, be happy about it when we experience these abrasive troubles because our rusty metal is getting polished and we're going to be a beautiful, shiny uh, patience. We're going to have beautiful, shiny patience. So the Lord Jesus was prepared with these abrasive troubles as it says about him in Hebrews 5.8. Hebrews 5.8. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. His sufferings made him a polished shaft. Then the Lord Jesus reports in verse 3, he's giving us another name besides Jesus in verse 3. It's very surprising. And God gave him this name also in verse 3. He said unto me, Thou art my servant Israel, in whom I will be glorified. His name is Israel. You might say, Israel? I thought that that was the name of the Jewish people. How could the Lord Jesus be named Israel? Well, His title is the King of the Jews, and he's also associated with the Jews, with the Jewish people, that he represents the Jewish people, just like in the Olympics, when we have an athlete who's competing in a sport, let's say, you know, the USA is swimming, freestyle swimming, whatever it is, and they say, and the USA won. Well, all the USA wasn't in the pool at that time. There was just one person but he represents the USA. So he's called, the USA wins. He stands up there, the USA gets the prize. And that's the same for the Lord Jesus. He represents Israel, so he's called Israel. He represents Israel in fulfilling God's purpose for Israel. He represents Israel by doing what God called Israel to do, bring the knowledge of God to the rest of the world. He does that, and so he's called Israel. After all, the word Israel means Prince of God. 
and a prince is the son of a king, and God is the great king, and the Lord Jesus is the son, he's the prince, so he's Israel. So not only is the name of the Lord Jesus called Israel, but God said he would be glorified in the Lord Jesus, just as the Lord said in John 13, 31, John 13, 31, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. So this was his mission. His mission was save his Jewish people from their sins. That's what he thought of every day. He was called and sent by God. He was called and sent to earth by God, the Father. God the Father sent him to earth with this mission, son. I want you to save the Jewish people from their sins. Save my people from their sins. Single focus, save my Jewish people from their sins. He gets to earth. And he says in, in Matthew 15, 24, Matthew 15, 24, he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. When he spoke of being sent, he meant he was sent by God the Father. And we can only imagine what that scene must have looked like in heaven, where God the Father says to him, son, you will be born a Jew. And I'm sending you to earth to save the Jewish people, which will be your people from their sins. And the Lord comes to earth with these words in his heart when he says in um, John 8, 29, John 8, 29, he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. The Lord was constantly thinking in his life, how can I please the Father? Will this please the Father? I will do this if it pleases the Father. I won't do that if it doesn't please the Father. My whole life is to please the Father. He wants me to save the, the Jewish people from their sins. That's my whole life. And the Lord is thinking how, how wonderful it would be. Oh, it'd be so wonderful if I can just go home to heaven and just say, mission accomplished. Saving the Jewish people from their sins, done. And the Lord longed to be able to look at, at, at God and say, just like you wanted, Father, I have saved the Jewish people from their sins. And they rejoiced together. And so what was the results? What was the results of his coming to save the Jewish people from their sins? His results was the verse I mentioned a little bit ago, John 1.11. John 1.11. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. He came to save the Jewish people from their sins, and the Jewish people did not receive him. The Jewish people rejected him. The Jewish people said, no, thank you. The Jewish people said, we want nothing to do with him. The Jewish people said we'd be better off if he never came. The Jewish people says we don't want to be saved from our sins. Thank you very much. And the Lord Jesus tried and tried and tried to save his Jewish people from their sins. And the Lord Jesus stretched out his arms all day long to the Jewish people, as it says in Romans 10.21, Romans 10.21. But to Israel he saith, all day long I have stretched out my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. As it says in Isaiah 65.2, Isaiah 65.2, I have spread out my hands all the day unto a rebellious people which walketh in a way that was not good after their own thoughts, a people that provoketh me to anger continually to my face. And the Jewish people plead, and the Lord Jesus pleaded with the Jewish people to let him save them from their sins when he said things like Matthew 11:28 Matthew 11:28 speaking to the Jewish people come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest 
When John 7.37, John 7.37, when it says, in that last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood, he's standing in the temple, and cried, saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And the Jewish people didn't come. They didn't come to rest, for rest. They didn't come because they were thirsty. And, they, and it frustrated him. It frustrated him to no end as he stood over Jerusalem, saw the Jewish people lost, saw them being cast into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And with a broken heart, he cries out, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings? And ye would not. Those were the words that pained him so much. Ye would not. It came the Lord Jesus in his heart when he said those words. And even though that, still the Jewish people didn't come to be saved. His life work, his whole purpose while he was here was stated in Isaiah 49.5, our chapter, verse 5. He says, I was formed from the womb to be his servant to bring Jacob again to him. I, that, was, that was why I was created in the womb to bring Jacob again to him. Bring him back. It says in, in uh, verse 6, verse 6 of our chapter, verse 6, for him to be my servant to raise up the tribes of Israel. Verse 1 again, called from the womb with a calling reflected in his name. Jesus is going to save the Jewish people, his people, from their sins. Life work. Be God's servant. Bring Jacob back. Gather Israel back to him. And every time he heard his name, every time he heard his name, Jesus, he heard his name, Jesus, that reminded him, Jesus, oh yes, that's my name. My name is Jesus because my name is Jesus because I am to save my own Jewish people from their sins. He would think, should call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. My life work is to save my Jewish people from their sins. The great, it's, 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 it, and it's a great understatement to say that the Lord Jesus was discouraged over this. It's an understatement to say that the Lord Jesus was discouraged over not being able to fulfill his calling, his life work of saving his Jewish people from their sins. And as the Lord Jesus looked back on his life, of all that he did, and he's looking back on it and trying to save the Jewish people from their sins, all he saw was failure. I have failed. And he gives these heart-wrenching cries out in verse 4, heart-wrenching words. Then I said, I have labored in vain. I've spent my strength for naught and in vain. It says twice in that statement, the Lord Jesus uses the word vain. He looked at all of his work to save the Jewish people from their sins. And are the, are the Jewish people now saying we are, we, don't call us, Jesus, Jewish people call us Jesus people because we're all about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Is that what's happened? Not at all. He knew that. He saw that. Same today, same as it was then. He looks back and he said, vanity, emptiness. I've just wasted my time. Verse 4, I have labored in vain. I've wasted my time. I've wasted my work in trying to save the Jewish people from their sins. He was so discouraged. He looked at his strength that he used to try. He, he used all of his strength up to try to save the Jewish people from their sins. And he says in verse 4, I spent my strength for nothing. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.